Hello. Hey, what's happening? It's good. Uh, first question for you, Tyler. Uh, this film, John Wick, Chapter 2. When did you decide to come up with the thought to ask Jerry for uh, the song A Job To Do? Actually, Jerry and I live very close to each other. And once we met, we started just jamming just to play guitar together. Just as friends hanging out. And we started working on a song and Job To Do started to form. And I was working on John Wick 2 at the time, the score. And um, I felt that the vibe was fitting the film. And then once the, once we really had like the music and melody, um, we talked about it. And we used John Wick just as kind of like a, a guide for, for what the vibe or the message was. We, it wasn't commissioned. And then I played it uh, for the music supervisor and the director. And they loved the song. And there you go. What was it for you? Because it was your first solo. Uh, since 2002? Was it something that, that, that you planned on to do? Or? Well, like like Tyler said, it was just kind of an organic thing. We were just, uh, we just go over to each other's houses, hang out, you know, play some guitar. He's always showing me stuff that he's doing. I'm showing him stuff I'm working on. And, and uh, as I remember, the, the basic arrangement for that song, I think it came together pretty quick. Like, uh, I started playing something and then Tyler started playing something and we just started directing each other back and forth. And uh, I think the basic structure came together pretty quick. And then I took it home to kind of marinate on it for a minute and kind of figure out some what the, you know, what the lyric kind of should, the vibe should be or whatever. And then we just kind of went from there. It was just kind of a spontaneous thing. One, one thing that was very cool though, because uh, it did happen pretty quick. I mean, basically, it, it was like 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, we're in my studio just sitting side by side, you know, playing. And, and you know, I always have microphones set up. So Jerry's like, hey, can you throw up a track for me? I just oh, want to yeah. sing something. He sang. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about a that. A melody. And, and said, just give me one more. And so he sang a harmony pass. And I was really, I mean, I've heard Alice in Chains forever and Jerry's music, but I, haven't witnessed how he puts it together and he just literally improvised the whole melody for the entire song and the harmonies were changing you know so it wasn't exactly like he sang a third or whatever above the the tonic he um or the root note he was kind of you know weaving in and out uh it was really cool how it was <laughs> interleaved i'm like that is really interesting and awesome and that's really the melody that is the song which is uh pretty amazing i love that song yeah me too and 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 and, uh you know like tyler said it wasn't really commissioned for the movie at that point we were just kind of having fun and i knew he was working on that so uh i loved the first movie i'm a big fan of keanu's work and and uh and tyler's as well so just kind of used the character as kind of like a lyric guide and like you know kind of like a first person guide and that's kind of what i based the lyrical story on you know and then it ended up getting in the movie, which was sort of feel the cool. dreams. If yeah. you build it, yeah, yeah, it will come. So, but did you actually see the movie when you wrote the lyrics, or was it? Well, just... I'd already seen the first movie, the first and I loved it. And I knew he was working on the second one. And uh, you know, like you know, like you said, we didn't have any. It wasn't like, hey, we need to write a. Hey, I got an opportunity for you to write a song to go on a movie. We were just working on something. We used it as a guide. We put it together, and then he played it for the, for the the producers and all that. And they were like. That's cool. You know? So oh, yeah. okay. So 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 the lyric was all, already written uh, prior to seeing the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, I'd seen the first movie. I mean, the yeah, character is the character, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you say in hindsight <laughs> that this is the starting point for your solo album, this, this song? It was the it was probably the starting point for Tyler and I starting to make music together. We, we've 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 worked on a few things. We did like a, a song called Setting Sun, which was really fun for like a, a DC Comics thing together. Um, you know, we just goofing around on stuff. Uh, you know, I'd show him riffs. You know, and and uh, uh, you know that I'd been kind of hanging hanging uh, messing around with and wanted to maybe turn into tunes and and. Uh, I think one day we went to went to Greenblatt's to get a sandwich or something like <laughs> and and uh just down the hill from where we live or whatever and we were sitting in the parking lot and we had a pretty pretty profound, you know, discussion about like, you know, maybe making a making a record together and uh it just kind of started from there. I think that was the that was where it really started. We but we'd already worked on a couple of tunes. Gil was on that first song with us as well. Gil Sharon on on a job to do. So it was the three of us on that song. And uh, when you th- when you discussed to do an album together, what what was your idea as a producer? Well, just um, in hanging out, playing guitar and whatnot. Over time, there were certain ideas that were probably a bit outside the spectrum of, say, Alice in Chains, and but really great ideas. And I thought, well, we can just make a record. Why don't, why don't you make a record just of whatever it is that you're feeling? We'll just do it, you know, because I make records all the time. And and um, and it started as a conversation like that. And um, it was an idea. It was you, an idea. If you like the idea, maybe it becomes a conversation. <laughs> That's a very inside joke. Uh, you know, you could have been ace, bro. But. Um, no, I mean, it, everything is just organic, <laughs> honestly. I mean, why would the universe put us, like, why would the universe lead Jerry to move into the house across the street from me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But when we started playing together for fun, you know, um, you know, watch football games and play guitar together and yeah. stuff, we have this you know sort of median of our playing that meshes very well especially like picking patterns and things that come naturally to to both of us so um tyler's got a dark you know cinematic vibe to the way he writes too and i think i share that with him as well so we we mesh together pretty 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 well right yeah it's very simple but um you know the record was really about a personal statement from jerry like who who are you right now like without being without consideration for anyone you know like who are you today that's the question i posed to him and it began as like a a rumination on that idea sure and then once you know we got a little wind in the sails it just happened and uh all the songs i think have a really um a really important relationship with one another if you if you really listen to that record top to bottom it is a record almost like you know like the car's first record every song yeah complements the next song and it's a collection of of songs that, be, that is a complete body of work um and i think it's a perfect it's a perfect record and this record to me turned out that way it's exactly i think what jerry had to say lyrically and musically um it's a space that uh he wanted to be in for a while and I enjoyed working on it with him as well as, you know, Paul Figueroa, Joe Barisi, and then uh, 
many musicians yeah. who contributed their time and their talent to helping flesh out the songs, develop them. Because we, you know, we recorded them a couple of times, you know, just in demo form. And it's kind of the idea was that the record would not be tracks that were just done the way a lot of rock records are done, where you're just laying basics and so on. The music kind of uh, it was already cultured, you know, because we'd been through the various uh, arrangements and um, that we experimented with. And but it uh, went through a few extra filtering processes too, because of the extended time, I think, and mm-hmm. and uh, and that was really really important to the record too. There's there's some real depth to it uh, with with all of the players and all of the permutations the extra time that was needed to take because of COVID, all of that stuff, you know, it's really, really benefited the record in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, sure what, did. What, what was your mindset after the last Alice in Chains album? What did you want to do music-wise? Well, I, I mean, those conversations, which we've uh, been discussing, those the, those all started taking place right, as, right at the end of Alice's touring cycle for Rainier Fog. And generally, over the last uh, three records or so, our cycle is about three three years. You know, it takes about a yeah. year to write and record, and then you go out and tour for a couple of years, and then you know, you know, we're not young guys anymore. So it's like you know, we don't need to to bang it out. We make music when we want to music uh, make music, and uh, and it's it's really uh, it's great to be able to work that way instead of like having to make music. We've no, I don't know what that's like, uh, and I'm really really feel fortunate that. Uh, I've never been in that situation uh, with my band or, or outside the band. It's just when you feel motivated to 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 take that journey because, like I say, it's a cycle. We're in the middle of, of that, and we're already you know, into our second year on this cycle, right? Even though we just started touring mm-hmm. because of the way that things turned out. Um, but um, uh, I'm sorry, what was the no, question? The thing is, what, 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 what was your mindset? Because I think it's more of an... Oh yeah, right. Yeah, well, I mean, we started having those conversations as we were winding down the tour, and I knew we were going to have some time off, you know. So I figured, okay, let's. Uh, I've got some time here, and I'm feeling motivated to do this. Tyler wants to take the ride with me, and uh, you know, I trust trust him, uh, you know, implicitly. We you know we have a we have a really cool partnership and friendship, and and uh, we know a lot of really talented people, you know, and and and. Organically, we just had, you know, we had Gil in the mix from a job to do, and Gil's like, "Hey, man, we should bring Greg in." So we brings Greg, and and Tyler introduced me to Michael Rosan, and you know, Paul Figueroa, our, our other uh, producer on this record, he brought in like Vincent Jones, and and Joe Barisi brought in uh, Abe Laborio Jr. I called up Duff, you know, it was just kind of a, you know, just kind of snowballed, you know, kind of, um, yeah. But what 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 did you want to tell? Lyric wise, because more of an up, up, uplifting album, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's got some elements of that, and of course, you know that the I think that song is really important, Brighton, and I think Tyler felt that way too, and and early on, which is really rare for me, I, it's usually the very last thing I know is what I want to call a record, but that was almost like the first thing I knew once we demoed that, you know, like okay, that's the song, that's the anchor song, and. And it kind of fit the mood of some of the songs, but I think it's a disservice just to say it's a lighter, you know, happier record or something like that. It's not. Uh, it's it's a journey. It's just a different. Uh, it's just a different scene, you know. Um, you're trying not to repeat yourself. I've never made this record before, 
and that's cool and it is different and I, did, uh, I, I didn't set out with like a manifesto I never do I never like if I've got to make this kind of record or this is what I want to say those conversations happen privately maybe between Tyler and I but I don't think of it in the literal sort of sense I just kind of the, some ideas get put there, a conversation happens, you just follow the feeling and it turns into what the fuck that record turned into. And it's just as much a surprise to me as it is probably to you or anybody else. The cool thing is, is when you listen to that thing, it's like, that's a fucking great record, man. I couldn't made, I could not have made a better record, you know? To your point, what I, one night Jerry uh, he texts me, he's like, hey, you around? I'm like, yeah. He says, I want to come over and show you something. So he had written the lyrics to Brighton. I've written it down too. Yeah, yeah. Right. They yeah. they had not been recorded or, or anything. I just read the lyrics. And to me, I was moved by that quite a bit. Yeah. And what that, what that signified to me was like, like we all, you know, when you, when you've been around for a minute, gone through a lot in life and it's not sure. all pretty, it's not all good times. But there is a point in your life where if you recognize that you feel fortunate to be alive, that you are happy about, you know, your future prospects, it's like, what are you going to do with all this stuff? You know, you can either let it take you down and, and live the rest of your life as a shell of yourself, or you can somehow metabolize that and, and use it for the better good of yourself and those that you impact around you. And I think... That's what I felt from that song. And it seemed like the songs had a complimentary uh, essence to each of them lyrically. And I don't believe that Jerry was writing a concept record. It just seemed to sort of, yeah. you know, come out of them. So. But they are naturally kind of related, you know. But in, the, in that song in, in, in general, I mean, the, the title is Brighton. And maybe there is a, a little bit of a yearning or a seeking of light. But the... You know, the opening lyrics are solemn drifter. You have your days and all these wonders never took your pain away. Magnifiers turn your sunshine to hell. Time you leave this place, you know, oh, so well, Brighton. It's not it's not a happy lyric. <laughs> no, but, I think, but, no but, it, but, it, but it ends. No. It's, it's true. Be, but, but it's fucking but, heavy, dude. That's true. But it but it but it's yeah. but it's but it turns. It turns. It does turn. That's, but that's, that's but yeah. that that turn is in. I think you right. can find that turn in pretty much all of my music, yeah. even the stuff that really uh, maybe you concentrate more on the doomy, heavy, dark stuff. There's not. It's not all black. You know, there's always there's always rays of sunshine through the whole thing. It's just different scenes, you know. Um, Tyler said something to me that, uh, or not to me, but to somebody else when we were in, in an interview the other day, and and uh, I never really quite thought about that. But you know, it's like it's like thinking about an author. An author may have a style, but he can't write the same book over and over and over again. And this is a different book, you know. But hopefully, the style is still there, you know. Yeah. I especially like sure. the line, yeah. a magnifies turn your sunshine to hell. I yeah. think when, what, is it something that flows naturally when you write or is it something that you have to think about? Oh it? man, it's fucking writing lyrics is a pain in the ass, man. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is not easy. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. Cause you can really fuck up a good tune by writing a dumbass lyric, man, you know? And, uh, and so I put a lot of pressure on myself uh, uh, when I'm writing, but and, and that usually takes a long time. You know, sometimes it comes, it'll come in spurts, and 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 I have, I have to work at it very hard. You know, 
music is way easier. <laughs> Music's way easier. Melody, no problem. I can do that all day long. Like you said, when we demoed that song, I, I, heard, a, I heard a melody, and, and that pretty much was the melody of the song. It just took me a while to, to figure out what I want to say, and that's where you got to take time to, to for me, uh, the music all pretty much 98% of the time, maybe even 99 point something, it's always the music first. And then the music is, you have to listen to that music. What is that music kind of trying to say? Where are you in life? What, what experiences are lining up with what's happening at that particular time? And it just gets indelibly recorded when it, when it makes sense and when it fits. And, and if it doesn't, then I just, I keep working at it or I'll put it on a shelf until later I can kind of come back to it. A tone is a song like that. It was a, a great idea, but I just wasn't the right time to work on it. we we finally, uh, it finally found its its place and its time on this record, you know? It and never existed like that before, and it's in its perfect form. What but it took fucking years to, to, to do that, you know? And, and, and uh, there, there are songs on every record you've ever heard that I put out that I've, that I've maybe been sitting on for a while. You know, I, I, I know when something's good, and also I'll know when not to try to force something, you know what I mean? So... What was what was the mindset, or what 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 were you thinking about when you wrote Brighton? Some specific thing, a moment, or yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it gen generally it's hard for me to really kind of talk about in a literal sense of of like, well, this song meant this to me, and I, and this is what I'm trying to say. I, I uh, it's it's printed out there, so so that that that's what the lyrics are, and I, th I think if you read that, you can probably get a pretty good sense of it. But it's more interesting to me. Uh, to get somebody else's take on what that is, you're probably not too far off the mark of what you think those lyrics mean. But, but there there is a little bit of myself that I choose not to explain so much, and I think it's kind of cooler that way. You know, it's more personal. You know, and I also like to keep the music personal to me too. You know, and not kind of, you know, put a frog on the wall and pin it up and cut it open and like, okay, this is the gallbladder, this is the blah blah blah, and then, you know what I mean. It's so a little, people, little too clinical for me. That's true. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but sometimes people want to know. It's a, it's yeah. a one, it's a one conversation that you had that actually yeah. inspired a song yeah. directly. Sure. Can you, is, is there one? I mean that you know. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess what I can say is is it, you know, uh, uh, lyrically maybe that has some something to do with where I was when I'm working making the record. Is the, the act of doing the work itself, you know? Yeah. I think there's a little of that in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. part of it too is like, I, that's all I do. I'm just constantly in the studio. Oh, yeah. Working all the time. <laughs> yeah. And once, once it started to, to, to gestate, even the, the idea, you know, um, it becomes kind of a fever dream of development. And so anytime Jerry felt like he needed to just, share a lyric or a riff or something i don't even need to say anything it's just as an artist anytime your work is is played or presented or listened to in front of anybody you you start to understand what you need to say a little bit more clearly and i think that that's why this record developed in the way that it did and my point that i was trying to make before is he didn't write the songs and in the lyrics and then we went in the studio and then okay let's do drums and bass and that's how a lot of records are made these days you know it's just like layers like this it all came together as a body of work 
And some of it was like if Jerry had a riff recorded or something, we might be sitting in his truck just cranking it in his yeah. truck, just rocking out to it. <laughs> you know, does this feel like part of the story? You know, and that's that's kind yeah. of how, how it developed. And thankfully, we have like great friends who are incredibly talented who uh, were willing to step in the studio with us and just jam and play. I didn't play on the record. That's not true. <laughs> you dropped some chains on a bucket. I did. I and think I think, it, you, I think you played a guitar riff, too, that yeah. I couldn't. I was having a hard time with. Yeah, I'm like, here, you play. <laughs> something. Something. But anyway, the point was, is I'm more like, you know, I'm just more like the 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 life coach in a way when it comes to it's like, you know what to do. Come on, give that's, me a little more of that. That's a good, good way to put it. But um, it's all very holistic. It's it's you know it's there's no pretense about any of it it's really about the joy of creating music the catharsism of of uh expressing something that's that's really personal to you at a given moment in time and somehow capturing that really clearly and everybody who contributed on this record the way it was made were their performances were appropriate oh yeah for the songs it wasn't it was we didn't talk so much about music as much yeah. as storytelling and f feeling like vibe and that's that's why i think the record came together so well it's so cohesive regardless of how many musicians are playing on it yeah it still sounds like a band it's fucking trippy yeah it's true because there are two two yeah. two drummers right yeah um why specifically the the paul mccartney drummer i mean uh, his name is uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ape, ape yeah. yeah why specifically him what what made you decide to well this song maybe needs him on on that was that was joe barisi's call actually uh gil sharon tracked the whole thing and uh and actually so did james lomenzo uh tracked the basic bass for the uh and we'd actually done a couple of shows with james uh on bass so gil tracked the all of the drums and you know, Joe kind of came into the process late because we were already working, but I was thinking about who I'd like to have mix this. And Joe, of course, mixed Rainier Fog. So we'd had that relationship of doing a record before. And I loved how musical he was and everything wasn't slammed and the form just didn't look like one big fat <laughs> color. Yeah. There was like peaks and valleys, you know. His philosophy is like, if you want it louder, then turn it up because I'm not going to mix it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to mix it musically. It's music for God's sakes, you know. He'd probably use a different, different colorful phrase, but, but, uh, but he's like, he's like, you know what, man, you've got so many cool elements to this pedal steel. You've got, you've got piano, you've got like eight or nine people on this thing already. This really feels like a kind of the approach of like a seventies record. And you'd have like all sorts of people from different bands playing this. He's like, I'm hearing a couple of these songs that I feel like I want to feel another drummer on it. And I think it would add some really, really amazing depth. And the guy I keep hearing is Abe Laboreal Jr. And he's, and he's like, would you mind if I gave him a call and just sent him a couple of tracks? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, so we sent him out to Abe. And Abe was uh, locked, he was locked down during COVID in New York. So so uh, that was a weird, that was trippy. I've never done it. Uh, I've never recorded where I actually couldn't be in a room with somebody or have a conversation with somebody. Never met him before. But he's like, yeah, dude, send me some shit. And we sent him a couple of tunes. He recorded himself, sent him back, and it felt fucking great, you know? And, you know, Gil was, uh, Gil was really supportive about the whole idea as well, which, which was important because he'd been, he'd been the guy, you know, all along. And, and for him to be comfortable with that, I think says a lot about Gil, you know? And, uh, 
but having the two two the two drummers with the different feels and still have it feel like a cohesive work um uh, again that was just another one of those kind of trippy things that we didn't plan on happening you mm -hmm. know we didn't, but it but it made the fucking record better man you know? well, actually yeah. during the mix joe uh w was mixing black hearts and uh, he had a couple suggestions you know uh, changing out an acoustic track or something and Oh yeah, kept he was hearing my chair squeak. Yeah, and, and so he's, he's like, "It sucks anyway, man." You might record that. <laughs> so then he's just like, uh, "You know, I think this could be, this would be cool with a female vocal color in it." That's so right. We're driving back home, you know, because again, we live across the street from each other. You're right. Shit. And um, I'm like, you know, if you want to try it out, Lola Colette, who is my daughter, um, was in town at the time, so. Uh, I asked her if she'd be down to just sing just so we could feel what it's like. So we set up two mics and she and Jerry cut the vocals right there. Right in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it ended up working out because they, they blended really well together, um, which was, was really a, an awesome session just for me to record. I forgot about that. It was just a few years dead, of course. Yeah. 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 Well, she's pretty formidable on her own. <laughs> in her own she right. is. She, you know, she opened up for us in the States, and now she's playing with us tonight. She's great. Yeah, yeah. she's helping us out. It's cool. But uh, I think harmonies are always a big, big... Always. Always. But yeah. what, what did uh, Greg bring, uh, harmony -wise? Oh, my God. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> the guy's got... He's got everything. Uh, the cool thing about Greg is he's not just one thing, uh, you know. Uh, like me, he's mostly known for being in one band. So, and and uh, and that that is a overpowering overwhelming thing but it's still got touch and emotion to it and he, he can totally tear your face off at any moment but he but he chooses not to all the time and that's really intriguing to me uh any vocalist who's able to have more than one voice can get into character and be something else you know uh and i like how uh, uh multifaceted he is he is that way uh mostly it's just again to i know it's ad nauseum but it was just an organic thing. You know, we were going to do a show and I was trying to think, you know, most of my stuff is written for two voices or more to sing. And uh, and we needed to find someone to join the team to be able to execute the material uh, to the to the fullest that it could be. And uh, Tyler had a friend that we sat down with and he was cool. He was really talented, but it didn't quite have the right edge, you know, for the for the top voice. And uh, Gil's like, fuck man let's call greg i mean I, and so so he calls calls greg greg comes down like the next day comes into my living room we just jam a couple songs on acoustic and sing together and it just felt right immediately and i'm like man if you want to do the gig it sounds good to yeah. me and he's like yeah cool and that was it this know? wasn't for the record yeah. this yeah. was that was just to do a couple of shows so yeah i called greg and he yeah. came over and i'm like yeah let's walk over to jerry's house and we walk in and jerry's like almost in Within 10 seconds, he picks up a guitar. And I think I played with you. Like yeah. We did Down in a Hole or something. Yeah. And Greg just started singing along. And and uh, maybe we played the, that song once or something. And then you're like, hey, man, it would be great if you uh, wanted to do this with us. And Greg, Greg's like, what is this, an audition? <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize. But we did these yeah. two little shows in L.A. And before the record. And then he's like, let's do that again. I didn't do that really good. <laughs> But before there was talk of a solo record for real, yeah, uh, Greg and Jerry became great friends. We did, you know, just very naturally. And Greg has a fire about him that 
definitely inspires people around him. Uh, there's a feral quality about him that definitely brings out a lot in me, you know, just playing with these guys. And we have a hell of a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but the, the chemistry of what, what, what we ended up as is a live band is really quite remarkable because it's nobody is like a jobber. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Michael Rose on our pedal steel player is a great producer. You know, Gil and I do sessions every week on TV, movies, records. We've toured together, done all kinds of stuff, but we're, we're very close friends. You know, um, everyone in the band has like their own life in music. Yeah. So it's not like just picking people up who will go out on tour yeah. and, you know, before they do the next rock cruise or whatever, you know, so. Were you uh, into everything changed in the early 90s? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, George, our bass player, um, yeah. he and I have been friends forever. And he reminded me of this party where we were at. And it was <laughs> right when Wood came out and we were hammered, just screaming at the top of our lungs, the lyrics to Wood because it was on the stereo. It was awesome. I mean, you know, uh, I have had like my own, you know, intense career trajectory. So it's not like over the years I've had like this ongoing playlist of, of anyone. I mean, I do have my favorite bands, but Alice in Chains was always my favorite band coming out of Seattle. Um, with all due respect to all of them. But as soon as I heard Man in the Box, I remember I was in Minneapolis walking into, just about to walk in to play a gig. And I heard that song and I thought, that is the end of everything you're doing right now. <laughs> but I loved it. I was just like, damn, that's great. I knew that that was for me like the beginning of a paradigm shift in rock music um but it still was really like guitar centric in oh, yeah. a, in a yeah. good way because there's so much unhealthy guitar stuff happening mm -hmm. in the 80s and I I contributed <laughs> yeah, to that as well so but now it's uh it it's really remarkable going back and like we're you know going to play bleed the freak tonight you know and I remember listening to that song uh million times you know because back then we used to listen to records or cds and you put it on and let it play you know so um it was really cool to go back and and really hear that music and as we've been doing these shows together jerry's like hey why don't we uh take a look at this song you know let's sound check it today i'm like well, i haven't heard that one since <laughs> 92 uh so we'll listen to it and go up and sound check it and fumble through it until we feel you know somewhat confident enough to which doesn't take long because everybody's so dialed by now and really fucking excellent musicians yeah. so what is it for you if you if you think back about those days those those early early albums with Alice in Chains what are your thoughts on it now 20 plus 20 years I mean uh 30 years already I'm so? still on the journey you know what I mean uh that's where it started uh and it's still in motion you know what I mean so uh I try not to spend a whole lot of time looking back. I just kind of try to spend time concentrating on where I am at the moment. Now, of course, I'm always connected to that, yeah. and there's more stuff to do. I'm going to go on tour with Alice and from August to October, right after we finish this. Um, four days after we get done with this, I'm in rehearsals for Alice. So, uh, you know, I guess the thing that that means the most is I, you know, I took that trip with my brothers and and. Uh, and we all banded together and, and we found each other somehow and, and we were supposed to find each other and we have a sound that is unlike anybody else. And that's the whole point uh, of trying to 
trying to create some sort of a sound that's uniquely yours. And I was able to to find that with the, with my family there, you know, with Lane and Mike and Sean and and uh, uh, you know, throughout the years of changes and and things that life throws at you, we've continued on and and continue to navigate all of those changes and and continue to grow and uh, you know uh, up to the last record. And I think that's a that record's kick ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we're still creating at a, at a top level, you know, Inez and, and William coming into the band. Uh, it's all good. Uh, I guess the main thing probably is that it's, it still means something to people. You know, we, we play some, some of those songs on our set as well. And, and, uh, um, and it's just, it's just, it's, uh, uh, it's always, it's always exciting and trippy, man, to see people react when you start play those songs. It's, they're not just yours anymore. They're they're everybody's, and and I don't just I don't mean that in just some generic way. It's like they they have just as much ownership in it as I do. So it's pretty cool, you know, to share those moments. Last question: Is it um, what was for you uh, the 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 song or maybe the session that you actually felt? Now now we have our sound in this in this first incarnation of the band. Uh, probably, probably some songs we never released, you know, uh, uh, pre Faith's Lift, you know, there, there, there was a few there that, uh, you know, that, that probably was kind of turned the corner from, like Tyler said, we're, we're of that same generation of the eighties. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of those bands, uh, you know, that I, I really dug, you know, like, uh, um, but maybe you know, maybe uh, maybe we're not quite where we ended up. But that's the point. You get inspired by other people and emulate other people, and and then at some point you start doing your own thing. And then one day you look at each other and like, fuck, man, what the fuck? This is pretty cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you've got a you've got a sound, and so you just keep going. You know, once you find it and you're all together on that. You know when it happens, you know what I mean? I, I don't I don't know if I could tell you the tune, but it was definitely pre-facelift, you know, when we started to really come into focus as a band. We formed in December of 87, and facelift came, down, came out in 90. So for a band to develop in within like two years, you know, basically, from nothing to that record, it was, you know, we, we there was there was light years of movement. And I... We rehearsed all the time. Lane and I lived in our rehearsal room. We lived in a place called the Music Bank underneath the Ballard Bridge. And he and I would would do an eight-hour shift of running the keys, letting bands into their room, and then closing them up when they brought gear back from gigs and shit like that. But it was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week with like 40 fucking rehearsal rooms, man. So it was like constantly <laughs> something going on, you know, a party, bands coming in. There was always somebody rehearsing. And... Uh, and it was just that environment, you know? It was like, that was our day. And then night we'd be going to the clubs to either see our favorite bands or, you know, go see Green River or, or Mud Honey or Soundgarden or, 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 or whatever, or Mother Love Bone, you know? Um, uh, and we'd, be, we'd all be at each other's little club gigs. We'd just come, you know, we're doing all these gigs. It all happened pretty quick if you really think about it, you know? Uh, and then it just kind of continued from there. It just kind of exploded, you know? What was it for you to be part of it? It feels great, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it could be that maybe sometimes... You know, any time you feel like, uh, you know, 
I think life's pretty fucking confusing and overwhelming just in general for everybody. And that's me included. And like one of the things that's always made sense, no matter what the fuck is going on chaotically in the world in inside you or in your, your family or, or, or surroundings is music. You know, it's always been there for me. And so, uh, it's, it's always been a refuge. It's always been a place to, to, uh, to, communicate that shit you know and or maybe process it Pro- maybe that's a better word process it you know and distill it into something that's alive you know and uh and maybe has all of those emotions in it and i think i think that's part of the reason that we sound the way that we do is just the 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 four points of the distillery that every all these ideas and emotions have to drip to drip through to get into being whatever alice and chains is you know Yeah. Thank you for your time, yeah. both of you. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. That was good, dude. Good yeah. interview. Thank you. Yeah.